Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. everyone. Welcome to another edition of Hewitt Home. We have a very special guest today all the way in Ontario. I want to welcome Doina Onchel. She is an innovator, financial planner, a trailblazer, a mother, and as she continues her story, she'll tell us all the other titles that she has. But first of all, Doina, it is so nice to meet you. Thank you so much. I know that we did a little pre-meet and you shared some of your story and I just feel that it is inspiring, but it is so true to so many women that will be coming to Canada, are here in Canada now, and I think you will give them some hope today. So welcome to Hewitt Home, and let's start with your amazing story on how you came to Canada. Doina. Well, first let me start by saying thank you for having me. I'm honored. I've heard such great things, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm truly excited so thank you for the opportunity and um, for me how I came to Canada well uh, I came to Canada I'm from Romania I grew up in Romania during the communist communism regime I obviously I still learn to I still need to learn English th almost 30 years later <laughs> so it's okay I am you know what they say is like I, at least I know two languages, so I'm okay. But uh, yes, I came to Canada almost 30 years ago. In June of next year, is going to be 30 years that I came here. And uh, I grew up in Romania during communist regime. And uh, only about three, three years after the revolution, I was able to come to Canada. And um, I settled in Vancouver first, and then I moved to Ontario. Yeah. It's, okay, it's, so your first impressions of Canada and like how did you get your start? Well when I came here uh, I've had my father that was here um, just to make a long story short he was in Canada 10 years before my sister and I got here and basically he's the one that brought us to Canada and when we came here can I say culture shock <laughs> There was a lot of culture shock. First of all, I didn't speak any English. Um, I, I remember I only had about two weeks in Canada, and all I learned was, hello, how are you? My name is Doina, and goodbye. So people would talk to me, and I'd be nodding. You know, they could say whatever, and I'd be like, you know, nodding and smiling. And then when I had enough, i say goodbye. And um, it was a little bit, yeah, it was culture shock. The food tasted different. The the even the environment was different uh there's a lot of there's a lot of different things there's a lot of new things i feel like i was also you know as a baby when you learn to walk 
-hmm. and you learn to, you know, to talk and, you know, kind of, I feel, it felt the same way, having to learn pretty much everything from scratch, you know, so it was uh, a lot of exciting parts, but also a lot of challenges, so which I'm sure a lot of immigrants that come to Canada understand, you know, when you don't speak the language, when you don't have a network, when the food tastes different, when you want to connect with people and it's hard to meet the people, like back home, um, you know, there's a lot of those differences uh, coming here. When you don't understand how this um, the whole society works here, you know, it, um, it is challenging. It's very, very challenging, I must say. You know, and I was young. I was only 19 when I was, you know, so... It was very, very tough. When you look back at it now, Doina, was there moments, and I guess my question would be, who helped you navigate through all this? Like important people in your life then that helped you get on with your life? Uh, can I say there were some angels out there? <laughs> there were, you know, really. Um, well, let me just share this. So I maybe someone will have similar story as mine. So I'm going to share this. Uh, two and a half years when I arrived to Canada, after I arrived to Canada, I had to run, my, my father brought us here, but then he was abusive. So I had to run away from home with my younger sister. So we lived in a shelter and it was really tough because again, didn't understand how this whole thing works and having to depend on the system that you don't understand how it works. It was really, really tough, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy to say that I've had some amazing um, people that were working in the social service sector to support me. But it was still at the same time, I knew for me that I needed to find my way because I always said to myself, I didn't come to Canada for this. I came to Canada for a better life. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out what that is, right? So, and I've also had my, my grandmother's uh, words in mind as a child. You know, she used to say to me, Doina, you were born to be somebody. So every time I would just stumble upon a wall, I'd be like, I was born to be somebody. This doesn't really feel like it. So I had to figure out a way to, you know, to find my way, you know, to, to, to becoming somebody, right? And so that was that was thing, that was very important to me, and I feel like it was my motivation to to move forward. And uh, but yes, I've had uh, social services to help me. I was on welfare at that time too, and uh, um, you know I've had a, a social worker. She helped me to uh, you know to connect me with resources. Mm -hmm. But it was I think it was really important, and I hope that other people that are in my situation as I was there is ask a lot of questions, you know, figure out what you want and ask a lot of questions. For me, it was like, how do I find a place to live? You know, what does it take? How do I find a job? Like, what does it take, you know? And I, I figured out there was a program at the, you know, welfare office that would be incentivized people to employ people like me. And I just, I was sold that. I said, if you're going to hire me, you're going to get this, this money, you know what I mean? To help you for training and you don't need to worry. I work very hard and I got hired. And then, um, when I get to find a place to stay, I use that to say, I have a job and now I can actually, can I, you know, can I move in? So 
that was that was that was helping me. That was a dark time. And then I, when I moved from Vancouver, I lived in Vancouver at first, and I moved from Vancouver to Toronto. Culture shock again. About about eight years after I came to Canada, I had to start all over again, right? Because in Vancouver again, there was no jobs. It was hard to. It was really really hard to make it, you know, through. And so I moved to Toronto. And then when I moved here, I had my first child. And then I had to, I was another, uh, in an abusive relationship. Abusive as is like was controlling, you know. Yeah. I'm new to this city. I'm new to this country, basically. Still new with not, with not having any network in Ontario, in Toronto. And this person was, you know, not supporting me, even though we we're having a child together, right? And I had to leave again. I did have the support at this time. I had the support of my sister. I stayed with my mom. I was helping with the child. I had the job. But I had to navigate my way into high starting all over. And then after that, I found another relationship, like four years later. And then I had another child. And then that's when I have been, I experienced domestic violence. And I mean, not just verbal, physical, not just verbal and, and emotional and psychological abuse, it was physical. And that's when I had to take my children and run away and live in a shelter with them for three months. And um, that was eye-opening, you know, mm -hmm. really eye-opening. Mm -hmm. uh, but also it was very, to be honest, I really, looking back at my situation, I feel like all of these things happened to build me into who I am, you know, and to also push me forward pushed me really hard to move forward, right? And I guess having kids in my situation was very helpful, for lack of a better word. It was helpful because uh, when I was in the shelter, I remember my oldest daughter, she was seven at the time. My youngest daughter was not even one year old. And I, we were sitting at dinner table, we're eating dinner, and then she said to me, my oldest daughter said to me, she was happy because she had to, she got to play with some kids there. And she didn't even realize we were in a shop. She thought it was like, this is so fun. I have kids around I can play with. So, but then she said to me, mom, um, you know, she looked at me and I, I kind of felt she was going to say something, you know, moving. And she said, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. You're such a great mom. Oh my God, it was my skin crawling <laughs> because, you know, I'm thinking, what have I done with my life? I live in a shelter. I'm homeless. I have no money. I have no, you know, I don't have much, right? So if I want my kids to do better, you know, I need to do better myself. It was also a reminder to me that I came to Canada for a better life. Mm -hmm. So I had to really like work very, very hard and be very intentional about what do I want from life and what do I want for my children mm -hmm. so that I can figure out how to make it happen. And to answer your question as to who was there for me, I honestly, and I'm sure that people that are in the system understand this. When you are in the system, the programs and resources that are there are designed to keep you in the system. Yeah. So if anyone is in the system and they feel like they can't get out, understand the system was designed to make you feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's not you. 
you're able to do anything. All that you have to do is find the right people to support you. Figure out what you want to do and then find the people to help you because there are people out there to help you, right? But it is possible. Sometimes, because I remember when I was on welfare and I say I wanted to go to college and they'll say, well, if you go to college, we'll cut you off for welfare. And, and I was like, what am I going to do? Instead of saying, look, those are resources. You should go to college. You should get an education. You should become a citizen that contributes to the society. You should be doing all this. You shouldn't be here. This should be temporary. Instead, they were used, you know, if you go, we'll cut you off. And, and yeah, but I was happy. That's yeah, so wrong. And, you know, your story is, it resonates so much with the young, you know, families that are coming to Canada today, yes. tomorrow, and, and the day after that that will be in the same shoes as you, Doina. Yes. And uh, you are, you're so right that the system mm -hmm. is built to keep you in or to keep those that are in the system in the system. And, yes. Uh, and then now, if your story progresses, I have to also say that you also are a founder and CEO of your own company. Yes. Yes, so tell us more about her. Well, business. that's kind of how it started. So for me, uh, you know, I've always knew I wanted, well, those are the things that I wanted to be when I grew up. I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was nine years old. I didn't see anyone in my, around me that was the boss, so to speak. Um, and so I remember I had uh, <laughs> an imaginary staff. I had an imaginary boardroom. <laughs> and I had imaginary meetings, and I had PowerPoint presentations. I've never seen that in my life, but in my mind, that's what's happening. And I was having, well, I was talking about projections. I was talking about, you know, meeting, setting goals and meeting them. And I was only nine years old, and I was doing that on my own by myself, like just trying to people for the thought. I was like, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with this person? But I was that's how I was playing, right? So that was, you know. And I also knew I wanted to be maybe a, a lawyer mm -hmm. to work for women's rights because I saw back home in Romania, women didn't have rights, and I wanted to change that somehow. I wanted to be a lawyer or a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought if I could teach, you know, I, I feel like education is very important for a lot of people. It doesn't necessarily have to be formal education, but education is important, right? And so I wanted to be a teacher, but that would have never really happened, you know, for me back home. But then um, when I went, finally went, ended up going to college, I studied social work with a feminist perspective. Because I think the only course in Canada that is here in Toronto at George Brown College that is um, the Assaulted Women's and Children's Council Advocate Program. And that teaches you social work with a feminist perspective. You study women's and children's rights around the globe. And you you learn about the systemic issues that are happening and what keeps women where they are and children where they are. And so I knew that I wanted to do something with that because I've been very, very passionate about, you know, women's rights. You know, um, just to go back a little bit on my story, funny but not really that funny. But now when I look back at it, I, this is kind of how you see how the universe kind of, you, you can see the, the, the connect, how you connect the dots, right? The, the, you know, 
how the universe was having a, a plan for me, really. So I, I finished my program, and then six months later, I ended up being my first case study. I had experienced domestic violence. I had to go in the system. I had to go and navigate my way. And then I figured, I said, you know, someone that has studied this, and I'm supposed to be there to help women like me, and it had been very, very tough. Imagine if a woman that doesn't speak English, you know, it would be in my situation. Imagine a woman that is new to this country and doesn't know how the system works, how hard it might be for her. Imagine a woman that is always um, like in a silo in, in her own community. You know, sometimes we, we want to be a community with people that we, the country we come from. Not always a good thing because they know what they know. They don't necessarily know how the system works and they keep you, right? So it's like, imagine to be that woman. It's, it's so hard. And that's why I said I really wanted to do something to help women. And then I learned about the women in STEM and how... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, I've had a, I've had a, you know, funny enough, I've had a lot of companies, right? Like I've had a, a renovation company, uh... And I did really well, but it was with my ex. And then I didn't want to do it much because I didn't know much about renovation. I just learned about business. And then I had my own digital marketing company. And then that's where I learned about the lack of women in STEM in Canada. I really thought that that would be something that only happens in Romania. I didn't realize that's something that happens in Canada. And I thought, wow, look at the common issues you know, for women around the world. And so I thought, you know, as we all get a good idea and we say, somebody should be doing something. Somebody should be doing, you know. And being someone that had been in the system, right, and I've seen how opportunities like that don't come to me. But also working with people in the system, I didn't have access to opportunities to, mm -hmm. to present to anyone that has been my client. You know, I work with refugee women. I work with youth at risk and conflict with the law. I've, you know, I didn't have these resources. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if somebody would open an organization to support women in STEM that are low income, that come with various barriers? And till my mentor said to me, somebody should be you because <laughs> you, uh, you are a woman that has experienced a lot of barriers. And my thing was like, but I'm not really in STEM. And then he's like, well, you're kind of doing digital marketing. So you kind of are in technology. You might not have the formal education, but it doesn't mean that you don't know. And if anyone in STEM would have done it, they could have done it by now. But some people that are in STEM, they don't understand the systemic issues. Mm -hmm. And that's where you should do it. And that's how I created my organization, Revolution, to support uh, young women uh, we, well, now we go more with girls and gender nonconforming youth that come with multiple barriers to get them to enter STEM. Create programs for them, partner with companies, uh, you know, to support them in a way where they can, they get inspired, but also 
it gives him the opportunity to figure out is this something that I really want to do. Oh, you that's know? yeah. That's so forward. important, and that must be so rewarding for you now. Yes, I, I can yes. see the light in your face, and you know it's a long story, but the story is long on how you got there. But that organization is so so important, especially today. And now, if yes. you want to kind of shift the conversation, now we know that you give back. We know that you're supporting the community, but you also got an education in an yes. area where. It is not very well represented by women. So once again, yes. <laughs> you're working, trying to break the glass ceiling in the world of finance. So you are a financial yes. advisor. First question to you, and I know the answer, but how important is it, Doina, for women to understand finances, to know the ins and outs, you know, about whether to get an advisor versus a financial planner? All those things. So let me start by saying, as a woman, um, knowing when you are financially, it's very important. Whether you're married or you're single, it doesn't matter. Because, again, for me, going back to my grand grandmother's world, I was born to be somebody, but I think that what she was trying to say, I was born to do something in this world. And everything I do has to have some sort of purpose. And my purpose here is because I have worked with women and I have seen and have been one myself where I was low income. And if I would have had financial education, if I would have had a, you know, understanding how money works, I would have never been in the shelter. You know, I could have been able to go and have something better for me and my children, right? I would have been able to not depend on food banks, right? I wouldn't be able to have those resources. So again, financial literacy, is I think it's one of the most important education that any woman should have, must have, let's just put it that way, must have, right? Uh, I've also run a, a group of women before with business women, and I noticed that women get very shy when it comes to talking about money. And I've also noticed that women, when they have a business, they don't want to ask, they kind of, when it comes to money, like, I don't know, it's very uncomfortable. Let's, let's be comfortable with not being uncomfortable asking about money, right? <laughs> because money is very important. So understanding, you know, where you stand financially is very important. It doesn't matter that you're married. It doesn't matter that you're single, right? So, yes, I understand. And for myself, right, for me, what really helped me is having a financial advisor, having somebody that helped me. It was independent from the bank. Independent from any financial institution, was somebody that was interested in me and where I am at that moment. I'm a, I'm in debt. How do I get out of debt? How do I, you know, how do I get myself, set myself financially to have that Canadian dream that we all come here for, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, it's very important to have a financial advisor. One because I think a financial advisor not only holds you accountable, but also sets you, you know, sets you straight and shows you how to get there faster versus doing it on your own. I didn't know myself. Like before I became a financial advisor, I registered for every workshop I could get before I officially became a financial advisor. You know, I want to know because when I was in a situation when I was $60,000 in debt, 10 years ago, I was $60,000 in debt. I, I submitted a consumer proposal. And now 10 years later, I was able to buy my first home 
and set my kids financially for life. And then myself, I'm good, you know? It's not about the money, amount of money that you make. It's about what you do with the money, right? And that was so eye-opening that, you know, the aha moment. I was like, wow. To know that there's people out there that make $300,000 a year and they leave paycheck to paycheck. And to know that there's people that make $60,000 a year and they put money into savings every month. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's about it's about mindset. It's about having a plan. It's about having someone to show you what to do with the money, right? That's why it's important to have a financial advisor. Okay, well, okay. So now let's uh, make everybody rich here. Doina, what yeah. are, I guess, the top three picks? Or maybe there's five. I don't know. But, you know, what are the most important things that we should be thinking about? money-wise? First and foremost, you have to um, be okay with knowing where your money go. Have a budget. And I don't mean just like have a budget as to what it is. Track your spending. Track your spending every month to know where you spend your money. Once you track your spending, you get to see, Oh my God, I didn't realize I'm spending so much money on these things that I, you know, I actually have a gym membership that I never use or like I have a, <laughs> I have a Netflix account and I only watch, you know, Netflix once a day, like or once a week, you know, like what's the point? Or I have, you know, these things that you realize the, there's certain things that you spend money on and you shouldn't, you don't have to because you are wasting those money. Because when you think about it, $20, if you invest that $20 and then you apply the rule of 72, which is, you know, the, that's kind of how you work, how money works. So if whatever you interest that you get from an investment, you divide it by 72 and it tells you how long it takes you to multiply that money. So if you take $20 and you apply the rule of 72, you realize like, you know, if you have what, a hundred and what is it? 12 months, $140 a year mm-hmm. and you know they apply the rule of 72 by that you could be rich in like 10 20 years right you don't have <laughs> yes. to work you know <laughs> so it's it's a little bit of that that could just tell you how much you can actually you know so yeah. that'll be that so track your spending create a budget make sure that you are you know you know mm-hmm. don't spend things that you don't need to and you know what will be the third one this is going to sound you know what I do personally I'm gonna add two things I'm gonna add a bonus one would be what I do personally when I pay everybody says pay yourself first and some people don't understand what that actually means you can create that however works for yourself but what I do for me some people say I take 10% and I put into savings Uh, what I do for myself when I pay my gas bill when I pay my electricity bill when I pay my car insurance when I pay you know like smaller bills I put the same amount of money into my savings. So if my gas bill is $60, I pay myself $60. <laughs> and then I put 5 to 10% from mortgage or any other big bills to put into my savings. So I can have a, uh, a emergency savings fund. But also, and this comes from the heart, is that when you pay the bills, don't pay the bills thinking, oh, I can't believe have to pay this and it's just you know you don't want to put the negative energy out there you want to say thank you for 
my job, mm-hmm. you know, whatever income you come in, you have has come into your way to say thank you for giving me enough money to be able to pay my bills. So pay your bills with grace, you know, uh, because as you know, the more you give gratitude for what you have, the more you get, right? <laughs> so it's about the abundance mindset versus the, oh my goodness, like this bills are driving me nuts, driving me crazy. We have to stay away from that because we don't want to attract bad bad energy, right? No, only positive, good energy. And, only positive and energy. And you've totally done this for this whole conversation. Oh, Doina, I mean, we could go on and on and talk, but just to end it off there on such a positive note because we all know how life can stress us out. And yes. that simple statement that you just made, you know, pay your bills with grace may sound silly, but it does mean so much to one's own yes. mental health. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been wonderful meeting you. You are a champion for all of the young women and, uh, you know, women all around the world. Uh, You know, I hope they take some little nugget from your story and apply it to their lives. And I know that it will certainly make a difference. And as we head into the holiday season, happy holidays to you and your family. Have a wonderful... Same to you and everybody that's watching or listening to this. uh, Happy holidays and... um, Stay graceful. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Well, and thank you all for joining us here on Hewitt Home. And I just want to end off and say a little thank you to Must Have Pockets owner Leanne Ryan. She is now my official clothing sponsor, and uh, she has some wonderful stuff. So you can check her out online, musthavepockets.ca. We'll see you next time on Hewitt Home. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.